Welcome to Did You Eat Yet? I'm Jessie Chang. And I'm Grace Long. We're your hosts for this podcast. We believe every single person is created for a purpose. And the ethnicity, the characteristics, and the personality you have all work together for that purpose. So join us as we have honest conversations about what it means to be Asian between cultures through the lens of Jesus. Welcome, welcome everyone to the second episode of Did You Eat Yet? And today, what are we talking about today, Grace? We are talking about identity. Um, We'll be talking a bit about, like, how do you define yourself? Who are you? Yeah. So what do you, what do we mean when we're, we're talking about identity? I think it's quite a, can be one of those, like, quite jargony kind of words. Yeah, that's right. So I think, I mean, there are different ways we could talk about identity. Some people um, define it, I guess, as ethnicity. So for me, I'm ethnically Chinese or Han Chinese, if we want to be more specific. Um, some people define uh, with their nationality. So, you mm. know, Australian or New Zealand or something. Some people define it racially. So they see themselves as Asian or Asian Australian or Asian Brazilian or something like that. And then there's other ways, I guess, we want to mm. define ourselves as well. So, there, yeah, there can be a whole variety of ways. When we touched on last week's episode, I think, yeah, so we kind of touched on this in terms of, I mean, for us, trying to find a balance between our Asian identity and then mm. our Western identity and, and really struggling with that. Are you at a stage now where you feel like you have a good balance? I think so. Like, I mean, when I, as I was growing up, I, I suppose because of my family, I identified myself as Chinese because, you know, that's what my parents told me. Like, you know, you are a Chinese person. Don't forget that. Um, and in our family, mm. we spoke Cantonese. We watched TV dramas. We ate Chinese food. We had yum cha every week. You know, I yeah, did. the yamsa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good. Um, you know, I did what other Chinese families did, and I suppose you know many East Asian families do. We, I played piano. I went to language school, and you know, the peop- the family was, I guess, what defined who I am, mm. who I was. Um, as I moved into my teenage years, all my friends were Chinese as well, or Asian. You know, I was in an Asian group and we were very ingrained in the sort of Asian uh, migrant culture. So being like academic, um, manga, anime, sometimes Japanese dramas, J-pop, you know. Um, so I think perhaps as a teenager, teenager, I would have defined myself as kind of Asian. But I knew that there was a group that was more Asian than me. So th- I guess the FOB group. <laughs> and <laughs> I knew group. I wasn't them. Oh, man, yeah. the FOB group. <laughs> yeah. Um, for, any, for any of the, the older um, generation who are listening to this podcast, that means fresh off the boat. Please continue. Yes. <laughs> it's um, not a good term to use, just want to say. <laughs> um, yeah, so I knew that wasn't them because I, I spoke English at school, but they spoke like, Chinese to each other, right? Um, okay, so then in uni, again, like, I was actually in a lot of Asian groups and we did sort of Asian-y things. Um, the, the uni I was at had tons of Asians. Mm. So, again, like, I think my identity has always been associated with being Asian, but it's not sort of until later I developed this sense of being both Asian and Australian mm. and sort of being able to embrace both cultures. 
Yeah. And what about you? Though, how did you sort of see yourself? Yeah, growing up, I, um, especially in the first few years of my life, definitely it, it was very Asian because I only interacted with my family. But then, as soon as I started going to school, I guess um, I actually went the other way. So I had a lot of multicultural kind、mm. of friends. So I never really just hung out with Asians in terms of my own Asian identity. That was. Quite lost, I would say,、um, and I only really,、mm. yeah, like I touched on in the last episode, really, in a way, reclaimed it or started caring about it a lot more. And when I started going to work and 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 realizing that hey, this is this is a big part of who I am, and it is important as well.、Mm. Yeah, for sure. Like it's so interesting how like you know we could. Sort of both be say second generation from migrant families, both Chinese. But yeah, depending on our friends and our family, it can really go like in many different directions.、Mm. And so yeah, I think some people might have similar experiences to us. I'm not sure about you guys listening, and you know perhaps you、um, yeah had a very different experience. You felt very much like an outlier of. Your Asian community, or you struggle to meet those typical Asian cultural characteristics,、mm. and I think yeah, it's also one thing to sort of identify like how you identify yourself, but then sometimes our identity is also really tied to other how other people define us. So, say I wanted to define myself as you know Asian Australian, but you know other people when they see me. Um, they'll just see Asian yeah, first, you know.、Yeah. So it's kind of racially, it can be really dependent on appearance as well. It's interesting, isn't it?、Um, and, and to be honest, even if you know you don't necessarily feel like you identify a lot with your Asian ident- identity, I think because that was me, right? I, I really didn't identify、mm. a lot with my Asian side at all.、Um, But I still、mm. struggled with this. So finding my identity in my performance,、um, mm, for which、sure. I think、um, yeah. can can a lot of Asians will be able to relate to this. Because what do we mean、mm. when we talk about performance? Yeah, I think you know. I guess to me, performance is tied up with、um, like being good enough for ourselves or our families,、mm. and sort of that striving for excellence.、Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I guess different people strive for excellence for different reasons. Like maybe it's for acceptance in the, either in their family or society. Maybe it's for some kind of comfort or security. Or maybe、um, we strive for excellence so that we can gain wealth or enough to look after ourselves and our families.、Mm. Or I guess status. Yeah. Mm. Do you have any comments about that? Yeah, so I guess when I when I think of performance, I think, yeah, just that there is a standard, and you have to reach it.、Um, you have、mm. to perform to that standard, which brings a lot of pressure <laughs> and a lot of fear yeah, and anxiety.、Sure. And because the flip side of that is, if you don't reach that standard, you are a failure, right? Mm, and, and that's right. That just, yeah, for me, that really wrecked me. And, and、mm. growing up, right,、um, because it's like if, well, if I don't meet that standard, then I'm a failure. And if I'm a failure, then 
what is my worth? <laughs> you know, like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have any value. I don't have any value. Yeah. So for me, that was, that was my struggle. And I think it's really funny because, you know, I talked about how this in particular is a hard thing for Asians, although yeah. I'm sure a lot of people deal with this and, and have mm. to like kind of work through this. But in particular mm. for Asians, it is a big problem. So why, why do you think that is? Well, firstly, there's our migrant heritage, I suppose. So the fact that um, our parents uh, or grandparents migrated over here often to have a better life, it does put that additional pressure on, I think, for us to achieve, right? To sort of not make their sacrifices, you know, for nothing, you know, so mm. there's that, I think, you know, they leave so that we can make it, you know, then the next generation. So there's, there's a certain standard that they want to see their children. They want them to be at least better than them, right, um, mm. in terms of standard of living. And I think there's also just, I guess, this kind of Confucian idea that's sort of ingrained in a lot of East Asian societies where it's like hyper-competitive and there's, you know, there's a really strong studying culture, in oh, some yeah, of these countries, sure. you know, after school and there's a very sort of survival of the smartest kind of mindset. I think that can also survival be brought of the over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The fittest. You know, so it's, I think it's sort of the migrant thing plus our sort of ancestral countries um, study and work culture. And I guess maybe there's also an element of um, – you know, if I do well and meet this kind of standard, I'll fit into Australian society. And it's so sort of this protection from racism in a sense, because we know that, you know, if mm. like, you know, Australia, you know, they, they do want skilled migrants. And so if you're sort of this useless migrant, then, you know, people do question whether they, sh- they should be in the country. They do question mm, whether yeah. like, they're actually contributing to Australian society. And therefore, for us, there's also an additional pressure to sort of go prove that we, uh, you know, belong here in a sense. I think... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see mm-hmm. those three reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, that, that's interesting that you bring that up. And um, I guess just to let you guys, the listeners, know, um, we will be doing an episode on racism, so we probably won't get too deep in, into that in, in this one. But, um, yeah, just a heads up that, yeah, we will be looking at racism, particularly for Asians, later on. Um, mm, that's right. But looking specifically at, then, performance, like, I guess what we've talked about right now has, has all been, like, pretty dire. <laughs> like, yeah. Just like, right. crap, okay, so then how how do I have value then? So what, how mm. do you think we can be freed from trying to find our identity, not even just in performance, but like in our Asian identity or our Western identity or anything mm. else that we, we try and and find who we are in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as people of faith, you know, ultimately our, our identity is being in Jesus Christ. And, you know, that is such mm. a freeing thing to be um, his child. And I guess it goes back to those things that we desire, right? That desire for acceptance, you know, security, comfort. You know, they're all really good things to want, you know, for ourselves and our family. Um, at the same time, like, do we – yeah, it's they are things that ultimately Jesus provides, right? They're mm. In our society, they're very 
it's unreliable whether or not we'll have those things or not. Um, but yeah, Jesus is the one that can provide those things abundantly um, and spiritually, right? Yeah. And so I think as we look to Christ, we will rely on, you know, the need to, you know, be accepted and for security and for wealth less and less and and find it freeing to have our identities in Jesus instead. I mean, mm. for you, like, you've went through this struggle as well. What, what did you find? How did you find that you work through it? Yeah, for sure. So I guess I, I think it's important to mention that, you know, being a Christian, we're saved through Jesus um, dying on the cross for us and his resurrection three days later. Mm. He paid the price for our sins and that bridges the gap um, to be in a relationship with God the Father, right? But I think it's important to remember mm. that Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross is not just for our salvation. So, like, when we become saved, we become a child of God. And, and like you say, we have, a, like, a new identity, right? So I love um, 1 Peter mm. chapter 2, verse 9, which kind of really breaks this identity down. So it talks about how we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and and I love this next one. So God's special possession. You know, there's you are special mm. to God, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So it doesn't actually rely on any of your works or mm. anything, um, which is That's the right. struggle we have when when we rely on performance as our identity. Also, in in verse mm. nine, it actually gives us our purpose. So. With God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So the way I see it is that, you know, God mm. created each and every one of us with this desire um, to know who we are and also to, to know what our purpose is. And that's a God-sized hole, right? So when we try and find mm. our identity in other things, so... Um, and, and our performance and our friendships and relationships, those are human-sized things that you're trying to fill a God-sized hole. So you're always going to feel empty. It's never going to fill you up. You'll always be thinking, there must be more, like this isn't enough. So you actually need God to fill that God-sized hole. Um, and so personally for myself, you know, like, I just really struggled with the whole Asian Korea family ladder. So, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about. So, like, you know, as mm. a kid, you, you go to school, you get good grades because you need to get good grades, get a good job, so you can provide for yourself and then you have to get married and that kind of thing. And, and that is the Asian ladder of success, right? Mm, exactly. <laughs> so I really struggled with that because it felt like if I wasn't hitting – those you know steps then all of a sudden I was a failure and I I was someone without value without worth um mm. and and that is the danger and that is the heartbreak of trying to fill a god-sized hole with a human solution all right well we're going to take a short break and um <laughs> play types of Asians. 
So yeah, basically, if this is the first time you're tuning in, we just ask each other a bunch of random questions that that help us get to know each other a bit better, but within the Asian mm. kind of context. So types of Asians, my question is around Asian snacks. So Jesse, what is your go-to Asian snack? Bubble tea. <laughs> like it's... Oh, but... <laughs> There yeah, is... or for other people from other countries, <laughs> Bova or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, we call it. Uh, yeah, I don't know why we. I don't know why people call it Bova. I just find that really weird. I don't know. I don't know if it's a, As Kiwi a Taiwanese thing. person. Maybe it's yeah. a Taiwanese thing. So uh, yeah, I'm from Taiwan, guys. As in, um, that's where, um, yeah, my ancestors come from. But yeah, I don't know. Is it the Americans who call it Bova? Yeah, it is, I think. So what, what sort of flavour do you go for? Like, what's your usual order? Uh, I'm, I'm a pretty basic kind of person, eh? So I just go for the original um, milk tea. With right, the, with the okay. Pearls. Yeah. And do you have a certain chain that you always go to? Uh, yeah, normally it's the cheapest one. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so that's another Asian side of me coming through. Um, <laughs> no, so like um, a gong ta is probably yeah. the cheapest for us. Um, it is oh, also okay. from Taiwan, just FYI. Yay. Full strength, sugar level, ice level. Oh, man, okay. So I normally go for like a warm or a hot, unless it's like a very hot or warm day. I just think it tastes better. And Me too. I actually really yeah. like warm bubble tea as well. <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe it's also the Chinese upbringing, but I've always got told that drinking cold things is bad, so I always order it warm. <laughs> well. Yeah, well, yeah, well, especially, sorry, we're both girls, so this is really relevant for us and may not be relevant for <laughs> male listeners, I'm sorry. But um, you're not supposed to drink cold stuff on your period. At least that's what my mum always tells yeah. me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's another added element in there. <laughs> that's right. Sorry, guys. Um, but, yeah, no, I um, normally go for about 30% sugar or, like, 25%, depending which um, place I'm getting it from. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah nice. that is kind of, like, my go-to snack. What about you, Grace? Yeah, it's I, I change all the time, but I really love Asian snacks. Um. Recently, I bought some Pocky that was on sale. And so, you know, they're so little. I can sort of just demolish it in one sitting, like just one pack. It's so, it's so easy to eat. Um, Flavour-wise, I'll just eat any Pocky, really. Um, have you had a green tea okay one before? Too. Yeah, they, it um, is. I have had the green tea ones. So green good. Green tea so good. Uh, I love, yeah, green tea flavour. But, you know, good old chocolate, I'm happy to have that as well. Mm. Um, I'm I'm happy to have Pocky or Pepper or the Korean oh, yeah. um, brand. Yeah, they're both good. Is there a difference? Like, are you able to tell, like, if someone gives you a There is a difference. What? I mean, I feel, <laughs> like, I, I reckon, I mean, personally, I feel like Pocky tastes better. Like, it's more, like. The chocolate is kind of more creamy and sugary. I mean, listeners, maybe you can correct me on this one, but... <laughs> Please vote, everyone. <laughs> I do like Pocky better, but, you know, if it is pretty expensive. Like, I, I want the real export from Japan, not via Thailand kind of Pocky, right? So, 
because you'll see that there are some from different parts of Asia, but I want the one oh. straight from Japan. Um, oh, she's a food snob, guys. <laughs> Reminds me just the whole idea of like we're striving to be good enough, like we're striving to reach a certain point. But yeah, humanly speaking, we're just not going to get there, mm. and that's why. And even even from God's perspective, we can't even reach His standard, and which is why we so need Jesus mm. because He was good enough, and we get His perfect life. So mm. yeah, it's such it's such a freeing thing, isn't it? Yeah, to yeah. Have identity in Him. Yeah. And I just also want to caution people because it, as a Christian, as when you're saved, it is still possible to have that kind of striving for worldly things. Mm, um, I sure. definitely struggled with this personally, um, especially at, you know, my work. There, was so, there have been so many occasions where I've had, really had to step back and think, why did it bother me so much when, you know, like I wasn't able to do that story quite correctly or I messed up or I mm. didn't get that job that I really wanted to do? Why did that bother me so much and why was I so upset about it? And and a, a lot of the times I had to I had to come to the conclusion and, and be honest with myself that I cared more about that that job because I was still trying to get my worth and value from it. Um it, it is, a, for me, definitely, it was a constant thinking like, okay, I need to check myself, I need to check my heart, am I still putting my value in God, or have I tried to move that onto something else? Yes, yeah, definitely um, a temptation, and I think even in ministry as well, like, I, I remember when I was in my 20s, mm. um, yeah, just being thinking somehow thinking that the more ministry I do that's kind of defines who I am and so like there was that temptation to just get really super busy doing so much stuff for God and that would define my relationship instead of just you know who I am as a child of God like Mm. um going to a zillion conferences and sort of trying to measure my um sense of worth in terms of how much I did for God but yeah I I think, yeah, those times I often forgot that it's not what I do, but it's what Jesus has already done. Mm. And if one day I were to just stop doing ministry because of um, an injury or something like that, you know, that's not going to change how um, God sees me and who I am in him. Mm. So what do you think, you know, is is, uh, the solution for us, particularly those of us who really, really struggle with yeah, I guess that kind of performance or like feeling like we have to do more to gain approval, I guess. Yeah, it's so tricky, isn't it? Like, I guess ultimately it comes back to relying on Jesus, right? Mm. It's meditating on who we are as as God's child and knowing that, you know, we have done we are enough for him. Mm. Of course, it doesn't mean that we just be lazy. Yeah. <laughs> but just knowing that, yeah, we are not defined by what we do. And it's so hard because, as I said, it's coming from all directions of p- 
potentially from our family, from being migrants, from being in a minorities in a um, majority Anglo society. And so, yeah, all those things are pulling us to try and um, to like identify ourselves by performance, right? But to sort of to be still and to rest in God, I think mm. um, for me it's been helpful to meditate about the Sabbath and thinking about what being, resting in God can can really help me, yeah, sort of stop that cycle, an unending cycle of just doing, doing, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have I've... you found something that helps you for you? I um I really like what you talked like when you mentioned rest and I think that yeah that really helps me um it's funny so in New Zealand we also went through a lockdown but and and like the two weeks before we went into a lockdown uh I was just going 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 it was I was I felt so tired I felt like I was I was not physically kind of quite well mentally quite there with, with a lot of my commitments so you know I would be there mm. but actually my mind will be thinking about the next thing and and mm. it just meant I wasn't able to actually appreciate and enjoy the moment and so what lockdown mm. actually helped me to realize was like wow I had really not been prioritizing rest um and and mm. what a pity what a shame and you know sometimes we forget that the God of the universe, all-powerful, almighty God, took a day of rest when he created the world. You know, And I think that's really that's significant. Right. I think that's really significant. And it tells us that rest is important. Sabbath is important. Hmm. For sure. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm reminded in Exodus when God rescued his people out of Egypt because they were slaves in this, I guess, system of productivity that just treated them as, you know, numbers to produce more and more stuff but Mm. you know part of God's salvation is saving his people for rest right instituting rest for them instituting years of jubilee for them um yeah it's God's people that rest because they know that they can trust him what do you think about godly ambition because Mm. I mean you talked a little bit about how we're not supposed to be lazy, which I 100% agree with. So then where do you mm. find that balance? Yeah, it's tricky. Like, where do you, like, because, like, like, yeah, you could be doing busy ministry for God and it's kind of, like, your, where your heart is in a sense. Mm. Like, on the outside, like, you can't really tell, can you? Mm. Um, yeah, so God has obviously given us gifts, right, that we aren't to, to waste, um, you know, for his kingdom, he's in service of others. And so I think one question that I ask myself is who benefits? I think excellence and ambition are great for the kingdom. Yeah. At the same yeah. time, who benefits from it? Like, is it me? Do I get the glory? Mm. Um, is it for me to store up on store up as treasures on earth or who, who is it that gets the glory in the end and who benefits? So I think like for us, like, yeah, we want to see the kingdom, um, grow we want to see other people encouraged and lifted up and we want to see marginalized people um, loved and cared for so I think you know ultimately if we can direct our godly ambition towards those things it will sort of protect us from just I guess making ourselves look good I guess yeah I um, think yeah I think it does mm. come back to the heart it comes back to the heart yeah and the thing is God can God 
can see your heart. You know, other people, you might be able to fool other people around you, but you, you can't mm. fool God and God knows why you're doing something. Yeah. So really, I guess it's that time when we're with God and when, you know, when he's convicting us through the spirit, we have to test, you know, cause we can deceive ourselves so easily. I think mm. in this. I um, actually wrote a spoken word about Ooh. doing too much. Awesome. That I thought I might as well just share. <laughs> yeah, let's hear cool. it. Okay. So I, I I basically titled it Breathe. And yeah, like I say, um, I wrote it during lockdown. Stop. Breathe. What are you doing? I've been busy. Doing what? Well, I've been trying to focus on purpose. Serving, encouraging, learning, meeting after meeting, different outings, running and hiking, keeping healthy. Stop. What about time for me? What do you mean? All of this is for your glory. Do you think I'm glorified when you're always tired? Physically, you're there, but where is your heart? You say you're running. Yes, that part is true. No one can actually catch up to you. You're in one place, but you're already thinking about the next. When did I tell you to rely on your own strength? When did serving become more important than your daily bread? Did I save you by grace for you to try and earn a place? Come back. Let go of the burden you were never supposed to know. I just didn't want to waste time or fall behind in fulfilling your design but one thing led to another and I find service is what I can call mine it defines who I am beloved your identity is always found in me don't you see you are a jar of clay fashioned by my hand and the light that shines within comes from me press into me my yoke is easy I do not expect you to take on every ministry. You are one part of the body. Be faithful in the small things. Drink deeply in my word. Talk to me. Listen to me. Spend time with me. That is what you are supposed to do. And that is what will strengthen you. Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Bring me to a place of understanding. May your word wash over me, reminding me again that it's not the doing. There is nothing I can do to make you love me more than you already do. Bring me before your feet. May I sit in your presence, resting in peace. Teach me again to stop and breathe. So, um, that was just me trying to process everything. Um, and uh, sometimes I write spoken words, so there you go. No, that's so cool. <laughs> no, that's great. I love it. Yeah. I can't do that kind of stuff, but no, I, that's so good. <laughs> we are gifted in different ways. That is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's cool. Thanks for joining us today. This episode is brought to you by Season Asia of the Rice Movement, which is committed to championing the Asian voice. If you have any questions or comments on anything we've discussed, please drop us a line at seasonasia at ricemovement.org. We're also on Instagram and Facebook and we'd love to hear from you.